Welcome back, you're listening to The Grumpy Gaze here on Joy 94.9. So guys, I thought we would revisit one of our old segments where we talk dodgy travel. It's called Fly-By-Night Tours, but with a bit of a twist tonight, we're going to do a quick-fire round where we go through each of us, um, a bit like some of our travel stories, and uh, <laughs> we, we just come up with a, a very quick travel anecdote. Helen, you go first. Absolutely. Mine's called The Slanting Cupboard of Venezia. Oh, Italy again. <laughs> Picture this. Italy, 1998. A plucky little newly minted <laughs> lesbian with her steak knives firmly in... Sc- oh, well, you get the picture. Anyway, so we've made it to Venezia, the uh, erstwhile bonzer oh, and myself. City of Canals. Absolutely, and it's Carnevale. First time I've ever experienced it. Uh, the colours, the sights, the sounds, the beautiful masks. And a bit like now, really. A bit like Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> but not. The excitement and, of course, the overpacking, which, as I've uh, mentioned before, erstwhile Bonza is prone to doing. So, of course, I'm dragging to... 30 kilo suitcases on the way to our hotel, which we booked basically over the telephone, sight unseen. Mm -hmm. It was in our price range. It was in a nice central location. It was a decent price we were paying. And which is uh, which is which is always a warning, really, isn't it? <laughs> and we arrive, and of course, erstwhile Bonza goes into her typical, "Oh my God, I speak Italian flirt mode." She's got into full Herbalife mode. <laughs> full Herbalife mode. Yep. So he says, "Yes, your room's ready. Please follow me." Think. Jane Eyre, and I do know that you two don't get the reference to many of my literary characters, but obviously in Jane Eyre, the one of the main characters keeps his first wife locked up in an attic, you know, yada, yada, yada. Oh, a bit like flowers in the attic. This is true. Right. So <laughs> this is a, a very old building, obviously, with no elevator, and of course, it probably used to be a prison and a torture chamber at some point. You know. Absolutely, yeah. in, you know, medieval times or yes. something like that. So somewhere where I, I could have, you know, become quite famous. I imagine. <laughs> you know, um, staying. <laughs> just your kind of place. <laughs> and, um, and so this guy has this wry smile, says to erstwhile Bonza, "Follow me," and he heads on up the stairs. And I'm thinking, well, who the hell's carrying these bags? Oh, well, of course I'm carrying these bags, aren't I? So I literally, you know, put one on my back, one on the front, and I'm, you know, 40, pack horse, pack horse, for you know, fifty kilos walking up these bloody narrow stairs. Well, it must have been about. 20 flights of stairs until we get to the top, the attic room. As if that wasn't bad enough, mm-hmm. I push past Bonza to get into the room and offload these bloody suitcases whilst Bonza is outside, you know, the reception fellow, flicking her hair, batting her eyelids, <laughs> giggling and trying to sell Herbalife. <laughs> Just try, try to on-sell the Herbalife. She bought <laughs> up a train. In, in her pyramid scheme. And, <laughs> And I'm standing there and I put the bag down and it rolls from one side of the room to the other. And, of course, then I realise the room has like a 
30 degree slant on it. Everything. And I'm looking and thinking, how's the furniture staying where it is? Because it's all nailed down. <laughs> anyway, so having done this, I'm looking at Bonds up and I, I put the bag near the, the door to the room. And of course, the bag starts rolling out the door, doesn't it? <laughs> and it collects Bonds up and the receptionist. <laughs> As it flies down the staircase along with the receptionist who's fallen over and tumbled down the stairs. Bonds is screaming, I'm laughing. And the suitcase just burst open and a hundred bottles of purple life come flying. <laughs> so that's the slanting cupboard of Venezia. Oh dear. Doug, can you top that? You had earned your reward there, Helen, lugging those cases up that stairs. It wasn't. It wasn't actually on a slant at all. She just had a funny turn when she got to the. <laughs> Look, mine's got to do with when I very, very, very first went uh, overseas. My very first trip overseas when I was going off to live in London. I was meant to be on a flight that was supposed to transit Singapore, and it ended up transiting Bangkok. Now. That might seem okay to many, but I had some years before seen the miniseries Bangkok Hilton with Nicole Kidman. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I have to, re- I mean, it's true story. It absolutely terrified me because I was convinced that that kind of thing was going to happen to me. So I said, I'm never going to Bangkok as long as I live. So all good. We get there. I'm a little nervous. We have to basically get off the plane, go for a wander around the airport and then get back on the plane and carry on with our journey to London. So while in transit, as I'm going back through security to the departure gate, my bag gets x-rayed. And next thing I know, A little Thai lady whacks me on the chest, stops me in my tracks and says, do you have a Swiss army knife? To which I said, yes, because in those days you could travel with a Swiss army knife. Oh, yes. I said, yes, I do have a Swiss army knife. And then she started screaming at me, what's the other knife? What's the other knife? What's the other knife? I said, I don't have another knife. To which she then grabbed the video monitor on the x-ray machine, spun it in my direction, pointed to the screen and said, what is the other knife? And I looked very careful, knowing the contents of my bag and realised, <laughs> realised, no, it was not what you're thinking, Matthew. No, it was actually If you've got my... one that looks like a Swiss Army knife, that'd be very wise. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually my toothbrush. And so I opened my bag and I pulled out the toothbrush. I presented it to the security woman and I said, this is the other knife. I mean, it's extraordinary when you think about that. She was mortified, by the way. It's extraordinary when you think about that, that you were actually in those days allowed to travel with an army knife. But I was thinking, what what did she think the other knife was? My backup? I mean, did she think I was did she think I was carrying something for Helen? Those steak knives? <laughs> yes. And look, I mean, I can honestly say, so I, I she shoved me through after this to get back on the aircraft, and I can't tell you how excited I was to be back on that plane. And I completely, fully, and totally understand why Bjork may indeed have had <laughs> the reaction she did when they said, Welcome to Bangkok. And then somebody comes up to Doug at Bangkok Airport and says, I'm sorry, Mr. Knight, your flight is delay but we're putting you overnight in the Hilton (laughs) (laughs) what about yourself Matt you must have a few calamities of travel yes well many years ago I met a very good very long time friend of mine now called Cara Connors 
What a great name. Oh, yes. Look, a sassy, wonderful, wonderful, sassy woman from New York City. So I was taking a flight from New York. I'd been living there for about six months. And um, the New York lifestyle, let's say, had got the better of me at the time. And I thought, I need a beach getaway, right? So I took a flight from New York City to Mexico. But um, I met her on the flight. We ended up spending a couple of weeks on a beautiful little island called Isla Mujeres down in Mexico. The pronunciation was beautiful. It translates as Island of the Women. One for you, Helen. No wonder I didn't end up getting much of that couple of weeks. Island of the Women. Island of the Women. So... (laughs) Anyway, look, I was, a, I was a bit burnt out from the whole New York City thing, and I decided that all I wanted was sun, sea, fresh fruit, and water. I was going to cleanse myself. And I did days of that. Now, Cara and I were travelling around, and we were getting a car, and we were going inland, we were going to the pyramids, we were going here, we were going there. And the whole time, after about two and a half weeks, we kept saying to each other, look, I don't want to be rude, but this place kind of smells. Like, everywhere we went just smelt a bit pooey. Smelt a poo. <laughs> and I was thinking, well, you know, like, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to be rude. But anyway, this went on, this went on, and we just kept saying, everywhere we went, we just kept saying to each other, oh, my God, do you smell poo? It smells pooey. One day we got into the car. It was very hot. We locked all the doors. We closed all the windows. We put the air conditioner on. We're driving along. And I turned to the car and I said, I still smell poo. Do you smell poo? <laughs> And that's when she looked at me and I looked at her and the horror registered on our face and we're like, that's us. <laughs> we smell of poo. We smell pooey. And it was then I realised that it was the water that we'd been bathing in and that I'd been brushing my teeth in and that I'd been drinking copious amounts out of the tap. <gasps> and isn't it funny, the power of the mind, because I was absolutely fine on that holiday until I realised... <laughs> the water that I'd been putting in me. And then from that, almost from that second onwards, it was a bit like that scene from Willy Wonka when Augustus Gloop goes up the pipe. <laughs> so, yeah, lesson to be le- lesson to be learnt there, people. Uh, when you go to some of these countries, please be careful before you start drinking the tap water. And I can tell you one thing, Mrs Gray, forget your herbal life if you want to lose weight. Try Mexican tap water. <laughs> Coming up next, hit or myth. You're with the Grumpy Gaze on Joy 94.9. Hi, this is Kara Connors, and I'm listening to The Grumpy Gaze on Joy 94.9 in New York City. Do you sell something pooey? (laughs) 